Hello and welcome to worship on this Sunday the 27th of June. It's wonderful to welcome you into this space and into this time of fellowship and praise and thanksgiving together. Welcome whether you are someone who's worshipped with us regularly or whether you've just happened upon us online, you're very welcome. And I hope and I pray that as we share this morning, as we gather together, wherever you are and wherever we are, that you are blessed in the gathering and that you sense God's presence with you. We're here to worship our remarkable God. The love of God welcomes us. The grace of Christ awaits us. The joy of the Spirit enfolds us. We don't come as slaves, we come as truly free. We don't come as petitioners, we come as those who are already heard. We don't come as interlopers, we come as invited guests. We don't come as outsiders, we come as much wanted and much loved children. The love of God emboldens us, the grace of Christ redeems us. The joy of the Spirit uplifts us. We come as the joyful. We come as the eager. We come as the thankful. We come as the recipients of amazing grace. The love of God overflows in our hearts. The grace of Christ liberates our spirits. The joy of the Spirit sings in our minds. We come together and we worship God. Let's pray. Father God, you are the one that we have come to worship. And you are the one who's called us here, welcomed us in, much loved, much wanted children. And so as we gather here in this space, here in this moment, here in this time, let's set apart the things that are around us and let's focus our minds on you, Lord, on the gifts that you give us, on the wonder of your love for us, a love so great, so immeasurable, so, so vast and so huge that we can't even describe it. There's no word, no word other than Jesus. For in Jesus, we see your love. We see love which comes among us, which heals and restores, which raises to life, which gives new life. And we see forgiveness and mercy poured out through Jesus' death on the cross. A death where he laid down his life for us so that we might have life and enjoy it forever with you, in relationship with you, knowing your love. And Lord, it's for that reason that we come today and we lift our praises to you. We offer you our thanks and we offer you our praise. We bless you, Lord, for the blessings of life that you give to us, to each one of us. Even although we sit here right now and we think to ourselves, we don't deserve it because we know the things that we've done, which we think if you did, would make us unworthy or unlovable. And yet, Lord, you love us with an everlasting love. For in that act on the cross, we are wiped clean of all that we do, of all that we will ever do. In that one moment, 
we were forgiven, even for the things that we had not yet done, but which you know that we will because we are human. Such is your love for us, Lord. Such is your forgiveness, such is your grace, such is your mercy and compassion on us, your precious and much-wanted children. And so, Lord, we come and we, we offer those things to you that we know that we've done. The cross words, the selfish thoughts, the unloving actions. We offer them to you in the knowledge that you forgive us for them, that you have already forgiven us for them. And may the wonder of that, as it takes our breath away and fills us with awe, may the wonder of that transform us. May it move that knowledge of your love from our head to our hearts. And as it does, Lord, may it flow out of us. May it radiate from us. May the new life that we have in you be seen. May it speak of your love to others. May they wonder why we are as we are. So that your kingdom might grow and other hearts might be changed as ours is. In Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we started thinking about what it means to be happy. And we thought about the things that make us happy. The moments of sweetness in life. For most of us, these involved people. When we talked about it in church last week, it was grandchildren that was the thing that made people happy, for the most part. But it's the special people in our lives, the relationships, and, and all of these things that make us happy. I wonder though if happiness is also attached to something else or if it goes that wee bit deeper about those relationships. I want you to think this morning or think just now um, about a moment, a time, I want you to think for a moment even, about a time when you have been truly happy. Take that memory. If you could choose just one memory, what's the happiest moment of your life so far been? Why not share it? with the person if there's someone sitting around you then please share it with them and if not if you're happy to remember it's public you could share it in the comments underneath the video but perhaps you just want to hold on to that memory and to savor it to savor the feelings associated with it you might want to journal about it or whatever way that you feel you might want to pray about it you might want to give thanks to god for it or pray over something that it brings up for you whatever it is take some time and do it just now no man is an island wrote john Donne in 1624 for many of us those memories of when we're at our happiest probably involve other people. We're made, created for relationship. We thrive in relationship. From the moment we are born, we are hardwired to social. 
picking up communication and social cues from those around us. And the healthiest growth and development takes place in a loving, nurturing environment, something that we all need to know if we are to grow and develop is love. And something that our Bibles talk about all the way from beginning to end is the love that God has for us. And so let's hear our reading just now from Romans 8. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And though he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This week, as I've been reflecting on the theme for worship, there's been a line from a song, a Runrig song, um, that's been playing on a loop inside of my head. Now, I like Runrig, uh, I always have. And the line in my head comes from a song called Dreamfields. I don't know if it's familiar to you or not. The song begins with a line from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians in chapter 13, that wonderful, big, long passage on love. And the song begins the same way Paul's passage does. You can talk with the tongue of angels. And Callum MacDonald, the writer, wrote the song one morning while walking on the Coolin Mountains in Skye. But the song is inspired by his memories of the old pier road outside his grandmother's house on the island of Scalpy, which is just off the coast of Harris in the Western Isles. And he, t he talks about the song and says it it's... What inspired it is the dynamic of a deeply spiritual community, a psalm singing community, a community who is steeped in Christian faith and Christian tradi tradition and Christian spirituality, for whom Sabbath is still important, even today. And he takes those words from Paul and weaves them together with memory and the search that he has had for meaning in his life and the wisdom that he gains as he reflects is the refrain at the end of the chorus. He says, but after all is said and done, the only thing that ever matters is to love 
and to be loved. And it's a beautiful song. Go and listen to it if you want to. The dream fields. So the only thing that ever matters is to love and to be loved. Love. Life kind of depends on it, doesn't it? Science shows us that the human brain develops best and learns most in a loving and nurturing environment. I've already said that. Study after study has shown the damage that neglect and abuse does, uh, abuse in childhood does, um, and the effects that are still seen in adults where they've had abusive childhoods. It affects their autoimmune systems, their ability to deal with stress in life and how they function. And it's one of the main things um, that raises your risk of heart disease and stroke because it changes um, the makeup of you internally. It changes uh, the, your, auto, your autonomic nervous system. A human baby and child needs love then to grow and develop into a healthy adult. But actually, is it just children who need it? I think most of us as adults would say that we need love too, that we thrive on it that we perform best in a loving and nurturing environment, that we enjoy it. That love is probably one of the things that helps to make us feel happy. To know that we are loved and cherished by another, there's no feeling like it, is there? Not that we should ever rely on someone else to make us happy, that's not what I'm saying. Because only we can ever have the responsibility for our own happiness. It doesn't depend on another. But that feeling of being loved, that's probably up there with the things that make us happy. I wonder how many of you um, had the happiest memory as maybe a wedding day or the birth of a child. And so this morning, I want to remind you just how loved you are. Those verses that we shared from Paul's letter to the Romans Remind us of the love that God has for us. And I mean, that was just one passage of scripture I could have picked from any number to, to show, to, to, for, for us to understand the love that God has for us. Because that love is central throughout all of scripture. From the very beginnings in Genesis, right to the very end in um, Revelation. The love of God that is so great that God sent God's son to take on flesh and to give up his life for us. Such love, the greatest love, as Jesus said himself before his death. And Paul reminds us that that love that God has shown us, shown for us in Jesus, well, nothing, nothing in all of creation, nothing in the realms of the superhuman powers, nothing, neither storm nor flood, nothing can separate us from that love. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing that you can do, nothing that I can do. Nothing separates us from that love. But maybe you're sitting there wondering today if that can possibly apply to you. Because you know, you know you, and well, really? God loves you? Where do I see that in my life? Well, I want to say yes, God does love you. The Psalms give us great insight into God's character. And Psalm 86, 15 says, God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness for you. Psalm 136, 26 tells us that the love 
of God endures forever for you. Yeah, Amanda, I hear you say, but if you knew the stuff that I've done in my life, if you knew the stuff that had gone on in my life, if you knew me, there's absolutely no way on this planet that God could actually love me because nobody else does. Really? Paul, in his letter to the Romans, said that God demonstrates God's love for us because Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. The stuff we do, we do is already taken care of. That's how much God loves us. And God loves us still, even knowing that we mess things up. Even although we feel we're not good enough, that we're not worthy, that we're not worth it. The reality is, God thinks we are. We are lovable. That's why Jesus came. Many of us know this though. We know it in our heads, the theory of it. We know the theory that God loves us. It's what we're told in church. Ministers before me have told us. I've told you it. We're told it from when we're a young age. We sing it even in the songs that we sing. You know, yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. But have we let that knowledge move from our heads to our hearts? Have we let that love have we felt it? Have we actually known it in our lives? Have we let it change us? Has it transformed us? I wonder then what it looks like when we do. Does our perspective change? I think it does. The thing is though, it's not just about feeling loved. We're not just told in the Bible that God loves us. We're also told to go and love, to love God and to love others. About doing that love. It's not just about feeling it and knowing it. And often it's in the doing that we find that word that we thought about last week. Three letters, joy. Think about it. You see someone in need, you reach out and help them. You transform that person's day but I want to, I'd be so surprised if you said to me that your day wasn't transformed in that moment too. Because I'm pretty sure something shifted within you in that moment where you reached out and helped. Doesn't it? Have you ever seen someone sitting dejected outside a supermarket with a cup in front of them, sitting on a dirty blanket on the ground, head down? I'm pretty sure you have. If you've walked through the retail park in Falkirk, outside Tesco, you'll have seen people. If you go to Linlisco in, in um, if you go to Tesco in Linlisco, I'm pretty sure you've noticed the people sitting in the wee underpass there, as well. Have you ever gone into Tesco and purchased a sausage roll and a bottle of Iron Brew, or if you're in the one in Falkirk, maybe gone into Costa next door, and bought a toastie and a cup of tea and gone back out and knelt down beside the person, looked them in the eye and said, this is for you. You can't do that and not have your day changed. Jesus came as we talked about last week, that we might know life in its fullness and to demonstrate God's love for us. But it's not to stop there. 
Because since God loves us, we too are called to love. We are inspired to love because of that love. To love our spouses and our children, our partners. To love our parents, to love our siblings, to love our friends, to love our neighbours, to love even those we find difficult. To love the people who once meant a lot to us, but who have hurt us or upset us or have left us behind. To love the people that we no longer want to speak to. To love our enemies. And what does that look like? Perhaps it means considering them, praying for them, helping them in whatever way we can, listening to them, caring for them, thinking about what might make a difference for them. A cup of tea, a kind word, help with homework, a lift to the station or to an appointment, a hand with the dishes, a friendly chat, company. The list is endless and you know them better than I do. But therein lies just one of the secrets to happiness. Love. After all, none of us is an island. To love and to be loved, that's all that really matters.
let's come together in our prayers for others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we continue to see lockdown restrictions ease, we pray for all that they will be cautious and not careless in what they do, especially as infection rates rise, so that we can return soon to as normal a way of life as possible. We pray for governments that they take decisions carefully and for the benefit of the country, that they don't give out mixed messages with different rules for different people. Teach them to lead by example. We pray for those who have caught the virus and ask that you keep them safe and from becoming seriously ill. We pray too for those who are unfortunate and have had to go into hospital. Reach out to them so that they may feel your presence. We pray for those who have lost family and friends, either to the virus or for other reasons. Give them the comfort they need as they grieve not just in the days and weeks, but in the months ahead. Be with our doctors and nurses and other healthcare workers and for those who work in the emergency services. We give thanks for their tiring and continual work in this difficult time, especially as they also catch up with the backlog of treatment and operations. We're grateful too for all those in the NHS and other professions working hard to get everyone vaccinated. Grant them all with the strength and encouragement to carry on. We pray for those who have other health issues, those who are either waiting on further assessment or treatment, or those who have had their treatment or surgery. We remember them all and ask that you be with them and their families at this worrying time. We remember those in Miami who are injured, those who have lost loved ones and friends, and those who are still missing in the rubble of the collapsed flats. Care for those who continue to search for survivors, grieving families, and for the injured. And we ask you to be with our young people as they break up for, from school for their summer holidays. Be with them and care for them during this time. We ask you to hear these our prayers in Jesus' name, who taught us how to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. I hope and I pray that you've been blessed and touched by our time together today. And as you go from this moment, from this time, from this space, I pray that you go knowing the love of God upon you and the joy of God in your heart. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit 
rest upon you, remain with you and bless you, today and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.